This week at Hope Point. Paul declared in Romans chapter 1, I am obligated, I am bound by duty to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. Therefore, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who also are at Rome, the great epicenter of the world. The purpose of God in this generation is to make disciples of all nations. We're so glad to have you join us for today's message. We pray that it would challenge and encourage you to applaud God, follow Christ, and live on mission. Let's listen now as our teacher speaks to us from God's holy word. Good morning. I am so happy to be back among you. I feel like this is my second home in many ways. So good to see you this morning. My assignment has been to speak about missions, and in particular, foreign missions. And as I was thinking about this, I wanted to ask a question. Could you help where you were born? Could you help where you were born? If you were born in Saudi Arabia, you would be Muslim. If you were born in India, you would probably be Hindu. If you were born in the jungles of Borneo, you would probably be animist. But because you were born perhaps in America, you had the chance to hear the gospel. People say to me, well, why should we go overseas when there's such a need here? Actually, the commission that Jesus gave was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, in the Greek construction, all at the same time. Why should we go when there's need here? Did you know in Spartanburg County there are over 100 Southern Baptist churches? Just Southern Baptist churches. Do you know how many churches there are in many places of the world? None. The subject is the Great Commission. I received an email in December that I want to read to you this morning. It comes from a Muslim convert who is the fruit of one of your missionaries. And this is what he writes. I first heard about Esau, Jesus, at the home of my friend. When he first mentioned Esau el-Mashi, Jesus Christ, I was really surprised because no one had ever spoken about Isa el-Mashi for my entire life. I attended an Islamic religious boarding school from the time I was a child, and there I was taught that Isa, or Jesus, was not the Lord, but only the Lord of infidels. Moreover, we were strictly forbidden to talk about Isa and made to feel afraid that an evil spirit would possess us even if we mentioned his name. So when my friend mentioned Esau, I objected in shock. But my friend said, why? Why should you object to talking about Esau when Islam recognizes him as a prophet? So I responded, because Islam rejects him as Lord. Then my friend countered, well, if that's the case, then let us discuss Esau as a prophet, because he certainly is called a prophet in the Quran. And so we began. We spoke often about Esau, beginning from his birth through the miracles he performed. And one time we talked about the solution for sin and the manner by which God forgives sin. 
Because God so loved the world, he gave Isa el-Mashi as a sacrifice to take away the sin of the world by his blood sacrifice on the cross. Initially, I rejected this. But gradually, I became uneasy thinking about my sins. I, I began to consider what my friends said, that Isa el-Mashi was ready to take away all the burden of my sins because of God's love for me. To make a long story short, I came to realize that Isa indeed was sent by God to take away my sin. And shortly after I became a follower of Jesus, my wife also became a follower of Jesus, and then my family, and eventually we started a house church. And today God has given me a burden in my heart to meet with all the Islamic imams in the towns around us to begin a study about the Bible. God is at work in the world today in ways we cannot imagine. And if you could travel to the places where I have been, you would see God at work in wonderful ways. In America, sometimes we're discouraged. We think nothing is happening. But there's a whole lot of things happening. And God is stirring the world. And this is our day of opportunity because the turmoil in the world has created an openness for the message of the gospel. People are looking for hope. And what hope can you offer other than the hope that is found in Jesus? Did you know you can be a missionary? Did you know that you can volunteer? Did you know that even in your older years, you can actually go with the International Mission Board as an associate and get paid to do it? After your career, you can go and do something fruitful in the kingdom. And so I want to talk to you today about serving the purpose of God. Serving the purpose of God. She came to us as a retired school teacher. She had spent all of her life in the classroom, finally retired. She wondered what she would do with her life. She'd always been interested in foreign missions, she wondered, is there a place for me? And so she began to look. And she found out that in Thailand, there was a Southern Baptist family that had a child with special needs. She said, well, I can help with that. I've been doing that all my life. And so she volunteered on her own dime to go to Thailand and to pour out her life into the life of this disabled child. She stayed there for several years working with him until finally he was, she wasn't needed anymore. And then she heard of a need in the country next door, and so she moved over there, and she began to work with a child of missionaries there. And then on to a third place, and so it went over the years. Finally, she just didn't see any other particular needs, and so she thought, well, I can teach English. Can you teach English? She said, I can teach English, and so she joined our Bangkok English program where we teach more Thai students English than any other school in all of Thailand. She said, I'm a native speaker, I can do that, and so she went. Pretty soon her classroom filled up. All the young Thai women wanted to come to her class. She's teaching 
spoke in English using Bible stories, explaining words, loving on girls in their late teens, early 20s, who are trying to enter the work world but need English to do it. And she worked away at that until one day she came to me and she said, Duane, I'm getting old. My son wants me to return home. I'll celebrate my 88th birthday next month. So we gave her a big send-off. So many of the Thai girls she had taught over the years, some who had come to know the Lord, were in the group that came. What a big celebration. Off she went. Three months later, I'm walking to my office in Bangkok, and I see her. Lorena, I said, I thought you retired. Well, she said, I did. But she said, I found out Americas, they just don't have much use for old people. <laughs> you understand why I love Asia? They like old people. And I'm old. In fact, my name in Asia is Thakwat, old grandpa. <laughs> so she said, I, I couldn't find anything to do there. Nobody would let me work. So I decided I would come back and teach English to Thai girls. And so she did. Finally, she came to me again and she said, Duane, it is time finally for me to retire. We gave her a big party and sent her on her way home. She was 94. So what's your problem? <laughs> Did you know that God can use you in your retirement years? The experience of a lifetime, nursing or teaching or farming or plumbing or did you know God can use you in the kingdom? Did you know you can serve the major purpose of God in our generation even after retirement? You can. Now my subject this morning is serving the purpose of God. And the key verse comes from Acts chapter 13 and verse 36 right in the middle of a sermon that Paul is preaching to the Jews. There the obscure verse is, but so full of meaning. And the text reads, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. Now, I want to paint a picture for you this morning. For the scripture says, for David after he had served. I want you to imagine a ship in the time of Paul. It's sitting at dock. The captain has received his orders. He calls on all of the mariners to return to port. We're about to go. He begins to push off. And he calls out to all of the men, to the oars, men, to the oars. The men sit down and they grab the oar and with their shoulder muscles and their back to strengthen their legs, they began to pull those mighty oars and the ship begins to move out into the bay heading toward the destination the captain has set. Paul is saying of David, David grabbed the oar and he began to row for God according to the destination, and that is the glory of God in the earth. You and I are called today to serve the same purpose of God in the world. 
Now you say, but how did David serve the purpose of God? Well, David was a king. David led a great army. David did many incredible things, but one of them stands out. His service for God, purpose of God in his generation. I want you to see what 1 Chronicles chapter 16 says. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be held in awe above all gods. The context is David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Under Saul, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken in war. And the Philistines held on to this symbol of the glory and power of God. And all of Israel wept. The Philistines had it for seven months. But tumors broke out and death began to, to, to follow the ark. And they said, this is a hot potato. Let's get rid of this. And it went to rest in a place called Odom Eden. David said, let's bring it home. Let's make Jerusalem the capital. Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant so that all the people of Israel will know that God is once again in the midst of his people. David is bringing the Ark in and the streets are lined. And people are dancing and David is dancing with joy before the Lord. And David puts together a song. And David says, sing to the Lord you Jews, did I read that right? No? Sing to the Lord what? All the earth. Now how can they sing of him of whom they have never heard? And how can they hear unless someone is sent? That is the great commission. David is serving his the purpose of God in his generation because he is reminding Israel that the promises and the covenants are all for one purpose and that is the glory of God for all the world. And that's why missions is the number one priority in the mind of God. Your IMB missionaries reached 600,000 people with the gospel last year. They baptized 108,000 new believers, and they started over 23,000 new churches. Your IMB missionaries the ones you sent and the ones you pray for, serving the purpose of God in their generation. Now I want to do three things this morning. I want to remind us of the purpose of God. 
I want to relate what it looks like to be a missionary, and then I want to recruit you to get out of the seats and into the streets and across the way and around the world. Can you help where you were born? What if where you lived, nobody was interested, nobody cared, and nobody brought the gospel to you? So I want to remind us this morning of the purpose of God. This thing about which David wrote. The thing about which Paul said was important. The purpose of God in this generation. We can do nothing about the past. We can hope to influence the future. But this is all we have, our generation. This is our opportunity to fulfill the purpose of God for which he has made us. Now you've been talking about the Great Commission for the last couple of weeks. Jesus gave the Great Commission some of the final words that he had to his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. James, when he was in the midst of some disagreement in Acts chapter 15, where some Jews are saying, well, Gentiles can't be saved, and others are saying, oh, yes, they can. And Peter says, I saw it with my own eyes. James brings everything to a head, and he says this. Simeon, Peter, has declared that now, at this time, God is taking out from among the Gentiles a people for his name. And if you're a believer this morning, God has taken out for you a people. God has surrounded you with a people, and God is now calling you a son. I received a video from my grandson in Toronto last night. He's seven years old. On the video, he said, Grandpa, great news. I gave my heart to Jesus last night. It fills us with great joy to see our family follow the Lord, to come to know him and to become a child of God. What could it mean to that family in Saudi Arabia, that one in Russia, the one in Papua New Guinea? What could it mean to them to know salvation and to know the God of salvation and the hope it brings to the life? They can't help where they were born. How can they hear unless someone tells them? Paul declared in Romans chapter 1, I am obligated. I am bound by duty to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. Therefore, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who also are at Rome, the great epicenter of the world. The purpose of God in this generation is to make disciples of all nations.
But not only do I want to remind us, I want to relate what missions looks like. I was speaking at the WMU yesterday. One of the ladies came up to me and she said, but what does a missionary really do? And I realized most church members never meet a missionary. Or if they do, they have a very short conversation. And I've even discovered that as a missionary, people don't even know what questions to ask. Someone has come up to me in one of the churches and she said, oh, that was wonderful. Uh, we, really, we really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, thank, you, thank you for coming. And turned to a friend and said, what do you think about that game? I, I get it. And so I want you to get a feel for what it's like to be a missionary. I want you to come with me this morning to several places. I want you to feel and touch and smell. I want you to get a sense of the lostness of this world and the importance of missions. I want you to sign up to go on a mission trip. I want you to say, I'm going to pray for the missionaries every morning. I want some of you to say, I'm going to take the money I was planning to spend at Myrtle Beach and I'm going to go on that mission trip. Maybe somebody has to say, I have to rearrange my budget so I can give more for missions. This is the purpose of God in our generation. So what's a missionary like? What's it, what do you do? Well, sometimes it's rather humorous. You think missionaries are all stoic. They all got a grumpy look. No, it isn't true. Sometimes it's just funny. 1972, I was standing on the banks of the Rio Chimore River in Bolivia, South America. I joined a contact team of missionaries to reach an unreached, uncontacted tribe. Oh, I wish I could tell you that story. Most incredible experience of my life. Anybody ever eat monkey? How about anaconda? Taper? Capiguara, capibara? I've eaten them all. Two weeks from civilization by boat, deep in the Amazon jungle. Prior to my arrival, the missionaries had contacted a sliver group of the tribe called the Bia. And so I'm trying to learn the language with them. I'm standing on the sandbar by the Rio Chimure River. Yabia on one side and Gracia on the other. The sun is starting to go down. In the tropics it goes down at six at night, comes up six in the morning. The trees are so tall that it, it, the, the sun is, when it begins to dip down, is just almost squashed. It was like that on this particular day. The moon began to just appear in the sky. And I turned to them and I said, I said to them, a man walked on the moon. What planet does this guy come from? I said, a man walked on the moon. No. 
I said they did. He really walked on the moon. No, 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 he didn't walk on the moon. No, he didn't walk on that, no. I said, yes, he really did. They said, why are you lying to us? You've always told us the truth. I said, I'm not lying. A man actually walked on the moon. Why won't you believe me? Now, you ready? They looked at each other, pointed at the moon and said, it's too small. You can't walk on that. <laughs> Sometimes it's just humorous. It's all in perspective, isn't it? Oh, by the way, you think people like that are just really, they're like Cro-Magnon man, right? Drop you in the middle of the jungle with no clothes and see how long you live. I went to a Buddhist monastery in the country of Myanmar. I wanted to just meet with the Buddhist monks. The one I went to happened to be one for novice monks, which means between the ages of 5 and 17. Uh, most of these boys had been placed in the monastery because the families couldn't afford to feed them. It was kind of society's way of taking care of these young men or women. I was talking to them a little bit, just asking them questions. And finally, I said to them, by the way, I said, where do you think I'm from? All the little boys sat there. No, I said, really? I said, where do you think I'm from? Finally, one little boy pops up. He says, mister, you're not from here. <laughs> Sometimes it's just funny. Sometimes we laugh and have a great time. And sometimes it's sad. Did you know that 240 million people are without a Bible in their language? Or any scripture at all? Did you know that 58% of the world's population remains unreached with the gospel? That's over half. Did you know that the USA spent more money on costumes for their pets at Halloween than churches spend on missions? The Mormons have 16 million members worldwide. Southern Baptists have 14 million in the U.S. The Mormons have 52,000 full-time missionaries the Southern Baptists between the IMB and North American Mission Board, fewer than 8,000. Why? Did you know that 80% of all Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims will be born and die without ever having met a Christian, let alone hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does that surprise you? Does that send a chill down your spine? Does it cause you to cry out to God and say, Oh God, it's not right? I want you to come with me this morning. We're going to take a little journey. We're going to go to a Hindu temple. Now, is it okay I have three men with me? They all are Christian, but they all come from tribes, and they know nothing about Hinduism. So I'm trying to instruct them about the religions around them and the worldview so that they know how they can share the gospel. Is that okay? But I want you to join us. Will you come along? Oh, 
Come on, we'll have fun. Now we're walking down the street. Do you see that building off in the distance, the big white one? Do you see that? That's the temple. That's where we're going. So come along. Now, something to remember. When we get there, you have to take your shoes off because you can't go inside with your shoes. I know, I know, I know. But it's their culture. So we must respect it. So take off your shoes. And when we go inside, you have to be quiet. Because things are going on in there and people are there praying to their gods. And so we have to be respectful and quiet. We're here to observe and to learn. Okay? So no pressure on you today. You just come along. Here we go. We walk inside. Oh, my goodness. Look, look around. Can you smell the incense burning? Oh, what's that lady doing over there with the beads? Oh, she's crying out to her god. I wonder which one. There's 350 million of them. Which one do you think she's crying out to? I don't know. Don't ask me silly questions like that. I can't answer. Pretty soon a man comes. And he greets us and he says, why are you here? I said, we've come to learn about Hinduism. Me and my friends, I said, would you teach us? Just a minute, he says, and he disappears, walks down through that. You see that door? He walked right through that door down there. About 10 minutes later, the door opens and out he comes, but now he's wearing priestly garb. He's the, he's the Hindu priest. Now he says, follow me. And so, we is the floor hot? It's 102 outside, so try to avoid the slate because it's really hot. But come on. Well, here we go. We follow him up to the front of the temple. He tells us, stand there. And so he goes up the steps to the altar. He reaches behind the altar and he pulls out a horn. And then looking at us, he stands there and he blows the horn three times. And then he reaches back around and he puts the horn back behind the altar. And then he walks up to the altar and there's a, a door there and he walks up and he opens the two doors like that and there's the God Brahman. And he begins to talk to us about Hinduism, reincarnation and karma and the, and the Hindu hell and all of the problems and things, you, all the hoops you have to jump through to try to achieve nirvana. And when he's all done, he says, any questions? I said, I have one. I said, when you, when you walked up, now, don't bother me here. I'm trying to ask him. Just listen. Okay. So, when you walked up the stairs and got to the top, you blew the horn three times, and then you opened the door of the God. Why did you do that? Well, he said, I had to wake up the God. And so we told him the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And we told him about the God who never sleeps and never slumbers. The God who encountered the false gods of the pagans and defeated them on the mountain. This is the God of creation. Mr. Priest, this is the one who created you and wants you to know him. The priest said, 
I have heard something today I never heard before. He was a Hindu because of where he was born. And we walked away. And some of you are hanging your heads, wondering, how can it be? I want to take you on another short journey this morning. I want you to come with me to a park in Jakarta, Indonesia. The most populous Muslim population on earth. Now we're going to go outside for this one. You can actually keep your shoes on. But we're going to walk through the trees. It's so beautiful here. And we're going to try to find someone to talk to. So just follow me. And along we go. Oh, someone says, there's a man over there. Oh, good idea. I said, let's, let's go over there. So are you with me now? Be praying. So we walk up to the man. And I say to him, oh, excuse me, sir. We're tourists here. And we are just wondering about that great big building over there. What is that big building? Oh, he said, that's an Islamic mosque. Oh, I said. So are you Muslim? Yes, he said, I'm Muslim. Oh. I said, well, I said, we're just tourists. Well, could you tell me something about Islam? Tell me what it is you believe. How you see the world. And so he began to talk. And he talked about the names of Allah. 100 names of Allah, 99 are known, and one is hidden in the mouth of the camel. I asked him, I said, now, you have talked about heaven and hell. How do you get to heaven? Well, he said, we don't know. It's up to Allah. And he began to talk about Muhammad. And I said, so he's your great prophet. He said, yes. I said, but it sounds as if you are afraid of Muhammad. He said, I am afraid of Muhammad because I don't think I can be a great man like he was. I might not be able to get to heaven. Now I said, it seems to me that I read in Islamic writings something about Isa el-Mashi. Do you know that name? Yes, he said, I know. Now it says in there, that the world is moving towards a great judgment day. And according to the writings of the Islam, Isa el-Mashi will judge the world on the last day. Is that true? He said, yes, it's true. Now I said, I'm just wondering why it is you fear Muhammad more than Isa el-Mashi who will judge you in the end. And he looked at us and he said, I never thought of that. I want you to come with me to the country of Laos. Oh, it's beautiful there. The only place in Southeast Asia I've ever seen a tiger in the wild. 
In fact, we were going down the Mekong River on a boat and I saw a huge elephant coming out of the forest with a big old log. They were cutting trees and the elephants were moving them into the water. Incredible. One of the only places I've ever gone up into the mountains, up into the mountains, up into the mountains and there's no rails. But the people are sweet and we love being there. So come on. I want to show you some of the sights in Laos. Waterfalls and different things in this city. Oh, it's just wonderful. I, I just want you to meet the sweet people. What? Whoa, wait a minute. What? Sir? Sir? Hold on, hold on. Sir? Sir, what's happening over there? Why are all those people there? It's a what? A funeral. Oh, my. I said, what happened? He said, the lady's son was bitten by a cobra and died. Oh, I said, I'm so sorry. Let's go. Come on, guys, let's, let's, let's go follow. Let's go over, get on the fringe of the crowd. I want you to hear a Buddhist funeral. There you are, standing. You see it? Do you smell the incense? And all of a sudden, the crowd begins to part, and the Buddhist monks are coming. They're all waving an incense lamp. Some of them are, are moving the prayer beads and they're all chanting. What was that? No, I can't hear them well enough. Just give me a minute. Oh, what? What was that? Oh. What's wrong? Just give me a minute. Here's what the Buddhist monks are saying. I want you to understand the family of this loved one is there. The mother is weeping hysterically. The women in the crowd are all just weeping over the death, untimely death of this young man. And the Buddhist monks who are performing the ceremony prior to the cremation are walking up and around the casket in which the body lies. And this is what they are saying to the crowd and the family. Dead. Never to rise. Asleep. Never to awaken. Gone. Never to return. Can you imagine the hopelessness of life? And they can't help where they were born. But sometimes it's glorious. I love volunteer teams. Can I go over a couple minutes? Are you okay? I love volunteer teams. Do you know you can go on a volunteer team? IMB has all kinds of volunteer teams if you need one or you can form your own. Daniel's been to Thailand. He can take you. It'll change your world. You will see and touch and taste lostness like you've never known. You will see women, old women, bowing down in front of the Buddha. You'll see people cutting themselves in front of the Hindu gods. You'll see things you can't imagine. The lostness of the world. Some volunteer teams came. We split them up into groups. 
We told them what to expect. We gave them a map. We said, we want you to walk down this street and then turn there. So you got to follow close behind because lots of twists and turns. And we handed them the map and we said, now go and you'll meet a man and he will take you to his home and you will have tea and then he will become your translator for the duration. So the two men took the map and off they go. They're watching the map, they're following it, they think, okay, this must be the street. They turn down that street, they start down, a man is walking toward them, he greets them, he says, I've been waiting all morning for you to come, this is so wonderful, come and have tea at my house, and we will talk. So the two men go along with him, they go into the house, the man brings out tea, they sit and they're talking, and uh, finally one of the volunteers says, by the way, he said, uh, what did you do when so-and-so called to tell you we were coming? He said, who? When so-and-so called to tell you we were coming. I don't know that person. Well, what is your name? Is your name this? No, no, that's not my name. Well, how did you know we were coming? You came to greet us. You said you've been waiting all morning, but you're not him. How? I had a dream last night. And in my dream, a man in shining robes said to me, get up in the morning and watch for two men from the west who will be coming down your street. And I want you to take them home because they have a story to tell you. You didn't think God does that kind of thing, did you? And so they understood what is happening here, that this is something that God is doing, and so they began to share the gospel with this man, this Muslim man, and he is listening intently, and when they're all done, he thanks them for, for their story, and he thanks them for coming to drink tea, but he doesn't want to know any more. And so the two men are scratching their head wondering and they leave and are heading out and saying, well, we got to find the right place and the right guy is waiting for us. And a man, young man slips out of the shadows and he says to them, I wasn't in the room when you were sharing the story of Isa with my uncle, but I listened to it and I believed what you said. I want to become a follower of Isa Amashi. And the two men went through the gospel with him again and led him to the Lord and then took his name to the missionaries there so they could do follow-up. And today, there's a movement of Muslims to Christ all started by that young boy who was in the room next side. You see, you don't know what God is doing in the world and we get discouraged and think nothing is happening. These two men thought they really messed it up. They went down the wrong road, met the wrong man, told the wrong man the story of the gospel, all in the will of God. And if you go on a mission trip, maybe God will use you to do that very same thing. So, what do we do? Where do we go from here? As a church, what will our priorities be? What will you do in your retirement? What about full-time service as a missionary? What about a young college student going as a journeyman for three years to see the lostness of the world?
what will you do? Great commission stands before us. And God is saying, what will you do to serve my purpose in your generation? What will you do? Perhaps there's someone here this morning who's listened to this and says, I don't even know Jesus. Oh, you are in for a surprise. He is glorious. He's the lover of your soul. He's the friend of sinners. And he stands today beckoning you to come and receive forgiveness. If that's you today, find one of us and we'll be happy to share it with you. Maybe God is burdening your heart. Maybe you're hearing something today. You're asking yourself the question, what would have happened to me if I had been born there? What will I do about those who are born there? How will I serve the purpose of God in my generation? We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you can join us again next week.